0: All right. let's uh, say a word of prayer and then we'll read verse 8 of Hebrews 11 and uh, we'll continue where we left off last week, looking in the life of Abraham. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, our great God and Saviour, we come before the throne of grace, dear God, and we want to praise you and thank you, Father, for the God that you are. We thank you, Father, that you do bring hope, uh, Lord, to us through your Son, that we could know that in him... We can have our sin forgiven and have eternal life we're so thankful for the hope that we have in your son and i pray and continue to pray for those father that perhaps don't know you and your son i pray that you will continue to reveal yourself from the word of god that you would minister to their hearts that you'd show yourself strong and that you'd have your way we love you we thank you father for the time that we can have together here under your word looking into the life of abraham and seeing a man that walked with you, and I pray that we would be encouraged to have the same faith that walks with you today. I pray that we would be, uh, Lord, not just hearers of the word of God, but doers, that we would not deceive ourselves, and that we would walk in the ways of your precepts and follow that which is good, for your glory and for the sake of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at verse 11, notice what the Bible says there, by faith Abraham, when he was called. We looked at the calling of Abraham several weeks ago, how he was called to a place. The Bible says here, he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. And we looked at the inheritance or the covenant made to Abraham very clearly, uh, and the Bible says here, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went. So we'll continue where we left off last week. We looked at the covenant made to Abraham, and Abraham was given a promise by God. It was a fourfold promise. He was going to give him a land. And it was the land of Canaan. A great, he was going to make him a great nation, and, uh, and that means that he, uh, the Jewish uh, people become a race, a nation, and, and, and have a name uh, for themselves. He says also to Abraham, I'll make thee a great name. He says, I will bless thee and make the, thy name great. We know that the name of Abraham is great. Everyone knows the name of Abraham. And, uh, no, and those know, that know him, know him to be the father of the faith. And uh, of course, this is where the faith originated from. Given to Abraham, the promise that we saw that last week. And of course, the fourth blessing, he says, oh, the blessing to other nations, he, he says, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And we are byproducts. Of uh, the, the blessing that God has blessed Abraham with the promise in Christ Jesus we have been made partakers of that promise or the covenant given to Abraham and now we get to share the blessing of being part of God's family amen now this morning we're going to look at the commitment of faith or the uh, faith uh, that demonstrates commitment to God and, uh, and Abraham did that. The Bible says very clearly that when he was called to go out to this place and receive this inheritance, that he obeyed. He obeyed. So in reality, Abraham didn't really know where he was going. God said to him, get out and go, and he went. He obeyed. And the Bible says very specifically to go into a place which he should after receive an inheritance. And so Abraham's faith was in God's promise, which, was, which moved Abraham to step out into an unknown, fully trusting in God. And so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken. Have a look at Genesis 12, verse 4. So Abraham, what's that word there? So Abraham departed. All right, As the Lord had spoken, Abraham obeyed God, moved out of Haran to following the lord's leading john phillips says about this he says god did not pull out a map of the fertile crescent spread it out before abraham show him the whole journey he told abraham to take the first step and the rest of the steps uh, were revealed as time went on and so the early jewish disciples of jesus christ had the same attitude when jesus came to them and gave them the great commission to go out into the world and to preach the gospel to every creature you know what they did they obeyed the early disciples had the same disposition and commitment to the Word of God of telling them to go out not not specifically in a particular uh, land but to the whole world first beginning at Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the uttermost preaching the gospel in Mark chapter 16 the Bible says in verse 19. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And what did he speak unto them? He well, he gave them the gospel. He gave them the great command, the command to go forth. And uh, verse 20, the Bible says they went forth and preached everywhere. The word, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following and they didn't just go obeying the lord but you have to understand something obedience or true obedience have a, has a sense of obeying with joy you know they weren't dragging their feet i don't believe abraham was dragging their feet so okay lord i've got to go and get out of here they, the disciples didn't have that attitude oh okay well i gotta get out of here we got to go into all the way no they they found it a privilege and an honor To go out based upon the word of god and doing the work of god luke 24 verse 51 and it came to pass while he blessed them and by the way he blessed them with the great commission the great commission is a blessing not a curse it's only a curse to those that are disobedient to it amen and he and 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 so he was parted from them carried up into heaven and look at verse 52 and they what worshipped him and returned to jerusalem with what great joy in verse 53 and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God amen they went worshiping God today people or modern-day Christianity God gives them something to do they they are disgruntled they do it grudgingly they don't have a heart of joy of obedience it's as a matter of fact the things of God becomes a burden to them they don't have a burden for the things of God and that's not true faith faith believes God and takes God at his word and obeys God and Abraham was a man of faith that obeyed the word of God and went out. Abraham's faith was not based upon blind faith, but rather it rests upon the revelation of God that God gave him at that particular time. Genesis chapter 12 verse one, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And so Abraham's faith was no doubt rewarded. And God is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek, him just trusting him going out into the unknown knowing the only authority that i have is what god said and revealed to me and on that i'm going to step out by faith and over time god will continue to lead and guide and uh, continue to reveal himself and uh, the next step and the step after that and at the end of that at those steps that you take by faith listen comes blessing it's blessings trusting god every step of the way sometimes people won't trust god and do certain things until they know the whole picture they want to see everything they want to understand everything but listen at times we won't under understand the things of god if we're not revealed to the very word of god Uh, what we have in the word of god is a lot more than what abraham had you know israel has their own land now they were blessed they have their own land God promised them that land, they have that land. They became a nation. They were known as the Israelites, which still right now exists. Because at that particular time, you had other nations or you had other you know, people like the Moabites, Amorites, Edomites and Hittites. Where are they? We don't hear anything of these people, only the Israelites. Why? Because God continued to fulfill his word and they became a nation. And through the Jewish nation, our other nations have been blessed by the giving of the word or the oracles of God and the blessings of God. God chose that nation that out of that nation, we would be partakers of the blessing given by or given to Abraham. You can see that very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at the time ye were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel that's in other words not being part of that nation not being part of that citizenship that God simply uh, revealed to Abraham that he'll become a great nation and uh, strangers from the covenants of promise Having no hope and yet without God in the world. But look at this. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by how the blood of Christ. Why? Because Jesus is Abraham's promise fulfilled. Amen. And Gentiles like you, you and me could be partakers of the promise in Christ. Amen. And so he says in verse 14, For he is our peace. By the way, I've said it before and I'll say it again There is no peace outside of Jesus Christ Jesus is the Prince of Peace And without him there is no true peace Jesus said I came into the world to give peace Not like the world giveth And uh, someone once uh, posted up online saying Pray for the peace of Israel Yeah, well you know the only way Israel is going to have peace Is by receiving Jesus Christ as their Messiah Did you know that? without receiving Jesus Christ as your Messiah. No Jew, no Gentile, no Palestinian, no black, no white, no Australian, Aboriginal, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, there is no peace outside of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We need to be preaching uh, Christ to people who is the fulfillment, if you will, of Abraham's promise. And if you trust Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, you'll be blessed. Not with temporal blessings my friend not with just temporal blessings eternal blessings you have you have a city we're going to see in a moment whose builder and maker is god and that city is for uh, everlasting it's for all eternity it will be never ending amen verse 15 having he says in verse 15 of of ephesians 2 having abolished in his flesh the enmity even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances for to make himself of twain one new man uh, so making what peace no more division in Christ we're united and that's what God wants for every person he doesn't want to make it a, a complete uh, you know hard and fast uh, and harsh distinction between race man does that the devil does that you know in Christ he wants to, us to be reunited a one people The devil is always trying to uh, divide nations against each other and within that nation he wants to divide a people i'm not going to get political here all i'm just going to say but that's the work of the devil i'm not going to you know simply go and on a rabbit rabbit trail i'm just simply saying to you is that if you want true peace and you want true unity it's found in the person of jesus christ in verse uh, 14 he basically says that he had broken down the, the middle war petition between us. There's no more war, divide, uh, war that divides Jew from Gentile. No more. In Christ we're one. Twi- that twain became one. Those two separate nations, Jew and Gentile, God wants them one in Christ. That was God's purpose right from uh, uh, the foundation of the world. That was God's purpose in Abraham. And God had to choose Abraham and a nation to show himself strong in whom the promises were given. And so in verse 16 that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross having slain the enmity thereby. When Jesus died on that cross, my friend, there begins the new covenant, the new testament in the blood of Christ, that everyone can be a partaker of the heavenly gift and the calling and the, and, the, and the blessing and the promise made to Abraham and so in verse 17 and came he preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh so those that were far and those that were nigh he came to preach peace and we know that the gospel is called the gospel of peace because that's what the gospel does everybody outside of Jesus Christ is at enmity with God, everybody everybody don't have jesus christ listen to me very carefully you are at enmity with god you are enemy of god but when you come and you receive christ as your personal savior you now have peace with god through faith and that's the only way that you can make reconciliation with god peace with god through the blood of his son That washes away all of your sin. And that God, on the expense of Christ, can forgive you. And there's no more enmity. What a blessing that is. And he says in verse 18, For through him we both have what? Access by one Spirit unto the Father. We can get to God, Jew or Gentile, by the Spirit of God, through Jesus Christ verse 19 now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the Saints and all of the household of God what a blessing that is and you were built up upon the look at this this is the whole purpose of quoting Ephesians 2 is that we get there that we are built up on the foundation of the who of who and prophets who were predominantly Jews that's who God used That's who God chose to use. That out of that nation will come out and sound out the word of God. Out of that nation our redeemer will come out named Jesus Christ. For he will save his people from their sin. From that nation will the promises and oracles of God be given to us. And the Bible says we are built upon the work and the labor of God's choosing these people to preach the word of God. And it says, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In verse 21. In whom also the building fitly framed together groweth up into a holy temple in who in the lord and so we are the body of christ so to speak we are the temple of the lord anybody in christ is the body of christ and the temple of the god the spiritual building if you will of god john phillips says this the hebrews reading these words might well have been challenged they had far more light than abraham had they were dwelling in the full blaze of that light that floods the world through christ surely they could take the first step and make a full commitment to christ and trust him to lead on from there uh, from each step sorry and lead on from there each step of the way of course if abraham could so could anybody anybody hearing the gospel of christ look at verse 19 of hebrews 11. We see Abraham sojourned He didn't only obey and went out But he sojourned now By faith he sojourned in the land of promise And so as in a strange country Dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob And heirs with him of the same promise So Abraham's life consisted of taking again One step at a time by faith Which no doubt pleases God Thus believing the promise of God And when he reached the promised land The Bible says he sojourned as a stranger in that country Sojourning means simply is to dwell near, or means to uh, reside as a foreigner. Abraham lived in tents, dwelling in tabernacles. He lived in a tent. You say, why? Because he was ready to obey the word of God. Every time God told him to move on, he would be ready to move on. He wasn't here to stay. He was ready to move and obey God. A lot of people want, you know, in a, in a sense of the world, they live like they're here to stay. Abraham, he was just trusting God every step of the way and he was ready to move wherever God uh, would send him. And that ought to be, a listen, that ought to be our heart's desire for every single one of us today. That we would not be comfortable here in this world but be ready to move on when Jesus returns. And while we're here doing what God has called us to do maintaining our responsibilities hey enjoying the world but not abusing the world doing the very things that god in the in the the volume of this book says to do as christians and obeying our responsibility at least our god-given uh responsibility you know abraham was a foreigner in that country or in that land of promise he lived like a foreigner dwelling in tents and christians today are also called to be strangers and pilgrims in this world Passing by, this world is not our home. William & says, God had promised the land of Canaan to Abraham, in every uh, real sense it belonged to him. Yet the only parcel of ground he ever bought, in it was a tomb for his dead. He was content to live in tents, the symbol of pilgrimage. He says this, Instead of a fixed abode, for the time being he treated Canaan as if it were a foreign country. The the companions of his uh, pilgrimage pilgrimage were his sons and daughters. This is uh, Isaac and Jacob and so forth. And he goes on to say, His godly example left its mark on them also. Even though they were heirs with him of the same promise, that land would be theirs. In other words... He wasn't thinking, this is my land, it's all mine, I'm here to stay. No, it was promised to the next generation and the next generation after that. While God promised that land to him, he was still fixed. His eyes were fixed to heaven. And so Abraham looked for a better city. That's what the Bible says very clearly. The reason why Abraham didn't anchor his heart on the things below was because through the eyes of faith he saw a city or an eternal city made by God and then verse 10 says that for he looked for a what? a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God you know all the Old Testament saints who were faithful to God had this disposition David had this disposition in Psalm 23 acknowledging the fact that the Lord was his shepherd and he would follow him whether uh, uh, he he would go he says in verse 6 surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life Look at this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord in a temporary manner. No, he wanted to be with the Lord forever, not in a temporary sense. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 4 One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire at his temple. Now, a lot of people today want the temple without the Lord. They want the world without the Lord. They want heaven without the Lord. It's not going to happen. But that's the mentality of people today. You know, can I remind you today, and myself included, that God didn't give us this world so we would live without God. God wanted us to dwell in this land and and make sure that he is the center of our life, our home, and our church. I'm afraid Christians live in such a manner that they exclude God, or they have him like an idol on a shelf, or an idol on a Sunday, they come and worship God and then from Monday to Saturday there's no interaction there's no communication there's no adoration there's no praise there's no, it's all religion it's vain it, 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 and you know what these old time saints and David included with Abraham desired to be in the presence of God not just for the here and now but for eternity to come and so the faithful old testament saints knew and understood listen That this world wasn't their home they were just passing through look at Hebrews 11 look at verse 13 these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to have returned but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly a heavenly wherefore god is not ashamed to be uh, called their god if we have prepared for them a city and so although that time had not come They were still anticipating it by faith they still desired it those people that lived by faith and saw god in the eyes of faith every christian listen should have the greatest desire to seek the lord and be with the lord rather to seek earthly things notice if you turn your bibles with me to philippians chapter 1 i want you to see the attitude of the apostle paul And, you know, if we think about the Apostle Paul, he's just a man like you and I. Like Elijah, like James says about Elijah, a man of like passions. Nothing special. Dust. Who just loved God. Men of faith who believed God. And every single one of us in this room could be a people that just loves God, obeys God, wants to be with God. And so... Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Can you say that this morning? Can you honestly say that for me to live, I'm living for Christ and if I die, it's profit? It's gain to me, it's not a loss. What an what a absolute statement to say. And then he goes on to say, but if I live in the flesh, if I live in this body, this is the fruit of my labor, Yet what shall I choose, I want not. So he says, I'm, can, I'm, I'm, I'm actually straight betwixt the two. I have a desire, he says, to depart, in verse three, uh, 23, and to be with Christ, which is what? He didn't say it is better. He said, is this, look, it is far better. Do you feel that way? That if you were to die and be with the Lord, if that was God's will today, to be with him is far better than to be living in the flesh? Do you have that? Like, can you honestly say that if it was God's will for me to die today to be with Him, that's far better? Now, the 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 the, the transportation of getting there could be a bit daunting for a Christian. Not death in itself, knowing that if for me for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But how you die, but even how you die, God's grace will rest upon you. No man can actually experience uh, that grace until you uh, you know. Uh, uh, end up in that reality but listen can you honestly say from the depths of your heart right now to be with the Lord in heaven is far better than living here on earth there's a lot of people that would just rather living here on earth than to be with the Lord in heaven which is far better you know why because they don't really love the Lord they love their fleshly appetites they love the creature more than the creator they love the gifts more than the gift giver they don't recognize the things of God and how God is good. They, they love the blessings more than the one that blesses them. And it should be the other way around. But Paul says, you know, for me to be with Christ is far better. But the reason why he struggled was because he knew the will of God in his life. And the reason why he should stay here on earth was because of this. He says in verse 24, nevertheless to abide in the flesh is more needful for who? For me? Did Paul say that? If I'm here in the flesh, it's more needful for me. Did he say that? No. More needful for you, church, you, Philippi, you. Why? Because God's called me to be a servant to you. And a servant he was. Because out of Paul, the, Philippi, the, the church at Philippi heard the gospel. Paul evangelized to the churches of Macedonia, Philippi being one of them. He was living out the will of God. And the only reason why he wanted to stay and not be with Christ, which is far better, is because he knew the will of God uh, for his life here on earth. And that was to go and preach the gospel before he had his head cut off. Now that is someone that you can step back and say, that man is living by faith. He's doing what he's called to do with eternity in view. And every person that is called to live by faith needs to live with this kind of attitude he goes on to say this he says in verse 25 and having this confidence i know that i shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and joy of faith for your furtherance in other words i want your uh, joy and your faith to be complete and, and 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 i want you to simply grow in other words in in the things of god verse 26 that your your rejoicing may be more abundant in christ jesus for me by my coming to you again and look look at verse 27 he encourages them how that they should live he says only let your conversation be or your lifestyle or your manner of life be as it becometh the what the gospel of jesus christ that whether i come and see you or else be absent i may hear of your affairs that you may stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the what? For the faith of the what? The same faith that God promised Abraham. It was fulfilled in Christ. We as Christians are to fulfill by spreading the gospel. That's what it says: standing fast, one mind, one spirit, for the faith of the gospel. Look what Paul says to the church at Colossae In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 He says, if ye then be risen with Christ Okay, are you risen? Are you risen with Christ? Have you believed on the Lord? How should you live? Seek those things which, which, which Seek those things which were Are above Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God Set your affection on things above And not on what? Not on the things on the earth. In other words, don't be earthbound. You're living here on earth? Yeah, live. But where's your affection? Where's your only and one desire? Set your affection. Is it on things of, of God? Is it on the will of God? Is it on the word of God? Who has your heart? Where's your treasure? What do you value? Don't be earthbound. Don't set your hopes here on earth. You know, and the reason for that is one day the world's going to end or, or you're going to die. Yeah, what a great disappointment to some people. People die every day. But if you know what, if you die and you're risen with Christ, you'll be with Him. Look, what it says in verse 3 For you're dead and your life, in, uh, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life? Can you say that? Can you honestly say that? Is Christ your life? For to me to live is Christ. Is he your life? Is he is he is he your your God, who you value, your honour, everything to you? You worship him, love him, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in where? Glory. What a glorious time that will be amen abraham was a man who truly walked with god i mean everywhere this man went he built an altar to god right from get-go when he heard the voice of god and god says get thee out and he went one of the first things that he did is build an altar to god to worship him he, he, he built an altar in Shechem in Genesis 12. and He went down to the plains of memory. He built an order to the Lord there in Genesis 13. When he went to the land of Moriah, he built an altar there in Genesis 22. Everywhere where Abraham went, he worshipped God and built an altar there. Abraham passes the test of faith. When God called Abraham to offer his son up, he passed the test of faith. In Hebrews 11, verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, uh, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And so the test was to offer Isaac by slaying him as a sacrifice. And by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered him up. So the promise was given only, by the way, through through Isaac, through his uh, seed. Isaac was the only son in which Abraham uh, simply uh, was given that promise and will be the successor of the promise. Look at verse 17, the last part. And he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. In other words, the fulfillment of the promise would only be fulfilled through his promised seed, Isaac. Verse 18, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be what? Cord. Abraham again demonstrated his faith by obeying God's command, not doubting the word of God. Why? Because he knew that God would fulfill his promise one way or another. He believed God. Abraham always was ready to hear the word of God. I want you to see Genesis 22. Turn your Bibles there. He was ready to hear when God spoke. He was ready. He was ready. He wanted to know what God required of him. And when he knew it, he obeyed. When he heard it, he stepped out. That's what a man of faith or a woman of faith does. Have a look at Genesis 22, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Uh, in other words, he put him to the test and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here, here am I. Here am I. Sounds like Samuel when he was called. I'm a little boy as a prophet. And Eli encouraged him when God speaks. You know what you should say, Samuel? What should you say? Hear am I, thy servant what? Heareth. Are you listening to God? Do you care about his word when you read the Bible? Are you hearing the voice of God in the pages of this book, ready to know the will of God in these last days? A lot of people the only voice they love hearing is themselves you look at the world today it's all about i i my my i i my my it's not about what god wants it's what they want and we need to flip that turn it on his head and say you know what man i'm full of self but i want i want to be full of the holy ghost i want god to control every area of my life i want god to be the lord of my life abraham was willing to give up His only son in whom he loved very much. In other words, you could say that Isaac was the world to him. And he says, you know what? Here, have a look at verse 2. And he said, take thy son, now thy son, thy only son, Isaac, whom thou, what? Whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah. Wow. Abraham was willing to give up the very thing that he loved. And this is why Jesus says if any man were to come after him and hate not his own life not only all these other things he cannot be my what? Disciple. And Abraham did not challenge or question God at all. As a matter of fact he promptly obeyed the will of God. Look at verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into a place of Of which God had what told him hey where are you going Abraham I'm going to a place where God told me to go I'm gonna go and be where God wants me to be and Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son and it could be that Abraham also believed that God at some point would somehow have a substitute available not only for the present but also in a future sense may be revealed to him by God himself and this is what we see in scripture if you look at uh, verse 7 to 8 and Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said father my father and he said here am I my son and he said behold the fire the wood where is the lamb for the burnt offering by the way you know what that tells us that Abraham taught his son how to sacrifice to God and what a beautiful sight that is I mean, not only that you're walking in the fear of God, loving the Lord, worshipping God, but now your son has the same faith and wants to honour and worship God all the days of his life. What a beautiful sight that is. I mean, I don't think there's a, uh, you know, John said it. He has no you know, his joy, no greater joy but to see his children walk in what? Truth. And he says but where is the lamb for the burnt offering verse 8, And abraham said my son god will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering so they both uh, so they went both of them together uh, matthew henry said the holy spirit by his mouth seems to predict the lamb of god which he pr- has provided and which was taken and which Taketh away the sin of the world So somehow there seems to be A, a, you know, a, a double a Prophecy or a, a, a double Reference here and Nevertheless Abraham followed through and was willing To by faith sacrifice his son Look at verse 10 And Abraham stretched forth his hand And took the knife To slay his son And Abraham was willing to do that But look at verse 19 According That God was able in Hebrews 11 To raise him up even from the dead. Why was he willing to do it? Because he knew that God was able to raise him back up again, listen, and fulfill his promise. From whence also he received him in a figure. And by the way, this is a figure of what's to come, the resurrection day. Everybody will be resurrected. Some unto death, some unto life. Notice the extraordinary faith of Abraham in verse... uh, 12 there Abraham passed the test of faith and he said lay not thy son uh, he says lay not thy hand upon the lad neither do anything unto him for now I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son thy only son from me he passed the test He passed the test. You know, Abraham exhibited a faithful heart towards God in that he was willing to give up his only son. That's something. And second of all, this would show that Abraham feared and loved God. It demonstrated a heart of of obedience to the Lord and that he'd loved God and feared God. To fear God means to hold God in awe, to have a complete and utmost respect for God. And this is a demonstration of faith thus believing that god is believing that god uh, uh believing that god is means we obey him and to obey him means that we love him jesus said if you love me keep my commandments and so god reveals his heart towards us in a similar way listen by giving his only begotten son for our sin for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and jesus was submitting himself to god the father when he laid down his life for us i want you to turn to romans 4 please i want you to see romans 4 In the face of the impossible Abraham did what God told him to do in the face of the impossible verse 18 who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be no Abraham did not doubt even though his wife Sarah and himself were getting older look at verse 19 And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Against the impossibility of even bearing children, Abraham continued to believe God. By the way, that's what faith is. It doesn't manipulate the circumstances. It waits and trusts on God's miracle. And we know what a miracle is, it's beyond, it's beyond human comprehension or ability. I believe even in this area, a lot of people cannot have children for some medical reasons uh, given by doctors and so forth. But I've seen miracles happen when people waited, that God gave them a child after 10 years, even when the medical uh, institution said, you can't have any children. Don't you think God can intervene if he wanted to? Yeah, he's the God of the impossible. He said to Sarah, is there anything too hard for the Lord? No, there isn't. I believe, especially in this area, that God would show himself strong to those that claim that they believe God and claim in miracles. One of the greatest miracles is God to intervene in the life of a human when all odds are against Him and it's humanly impossible that God can come and say, I'm going to do this and He will believe it. I believe you. Even that my mind cannot comprehend it because it's outside of my control and it's beyond the norm. I, I cannot fathom this, but God can intervene. And you know what He has in time past? And specifically in Abraham, the Bible says here in verse 20 that he staggered not at the promises of God. You know, Abraham's faith pleased God, thus bringing glory to God. What brings glory to God? When you believe him, when you don't manipulate, when you trust him. Uh, He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Look at this, giving glory to God. And it could be that perhaps in some time, That Abraham, uh, no doubt, uh, struggled in his walk of faith, like all of us do. But overall, he didn't doubt God's word. He didn't. Overall, his life was characterized of someone that believed God. We're not talking about people struggling and getting back up again and claiming the promise. That happens. But overall, you believe God, you believe his word, you believe the Bible is true, verse 21, and be, look at this, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform it. You know what God predicts? I believe what happened. You know what God predicts about his second coming? I believe it will happen. Yes. In other words, Jesus is going to return again. He's coming back again. Came the first time. He's going to come a second time. And when he does, let me ask you a question. Are you, are you prepared for his second coming? Are you prepared? I mean, can you say, come Lord, come quickly. You know, you're looking and loving his appearing. I mean, you can't wait to see your beloved's face. That's someone walking by faith here on earth. You know that. That's someone that's anticipating And cannot wait to be with the Lord but hang on a minute I just need to do a few things before you come hang on hang on hang on don't you know and understand that heaven is better and what God has planned for those that love him outweighs the things that take place here on earth God is trying to communicate not only to us but from the beginning from one generation to the second generation all the way through to the end that what God has is far better than what this world offers and so, in obedience, Abraham acted as Noah had, signifying genuine faith in God's word, which was counted to him as righteous. And Noah was a man that also believed God, feared God. God told Noah, build an ark, and through f- f- the fear of God, he believed God, and, uh, and he built that ark. Imagine that, building a boat. Not even seen a boat in your life like that. The first ah, you know, vessel on the water. What are you doing? I'm building this thing that God told me to build. Man. And uh, you can just imagine the mockers and scoffers in that last day. You can imagine mocking, mocking, mocking Noah. And so it is in the last days. Us, people that want to follow the Lord and love the word of God. Uh, they, they say oh you're just wasting your life won't get a life I do have one it's in Jesus Christ and he's going to come back again he's my hope he's my life he's my glo- he's everything to me he's my glory I can't wait to be with him yeah. yeah. if you have tasted and see that the Lord is gracious taste and see that the Lord is good you know and understand what you, what you have in Christ in verse 22 Romans 4 and therefore it was imputed unto him imputed or accounted to him for righteousness what was his faith in God now, this is why Abraham was called a friend of God. Abraham wasn't called a friend of God because he just believed God mentally or intellectually. No, he believed God uh, in, in a way that, uh, that he trusted God and his life demonstrated it. In other words, uh, he, he, he was obedient to the very things that God told him to do. And that's why he became a friend of God. He didn't become a friend of God because he says, I believe God, I believe God, I believe God, I believe his word, I believe his word. Anyone can do that. Right, go to look, have a look at James, what James, James says about the subject. James chapter number 2, please. James chapter 2, verse 19. Notice what the Bible says there. James says to his hearers, thou believest that there's one God? You're doing well. But the devils believe. And they tremble. Hey, it's a good start that you believe that there's one God. You know, the devils believe that there's one God. They don't believe, like some people today, that there's many gods, many religions. No, there's only one God. That's the God of Abraham. But believing only one God and the God of Abraham is not enough it's not enough and so he goes on to say in verse 20 but, but will thou know O vain man that faith without works is dead he calls him a vain man if you just believe God here intellectually and that there's, there's only one God you're doing well but hey if you if, if 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 all you say is i believe i believe but there's no action then it's it's in vain there's no demonstration of that faith it's in vain uh, 21 was not abraham our father justified by works when he had offered isaac his son upon the altar so what proved abraham's faith what proved that abraham believed god his obedience his obedience proved that Abraham had faith in God's word. And verse 22: Seeing now how faith walked with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. In other words, complete. His faith in God caused him to obey God. Right? In other words, James is not addressing a faith. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that is alive. He's addressing a faith that is dead. You know what a dead faith looks like? It's like a devil's faith. They believe here. A faith believes the facts, but don't follow the Lord. A faith that gives lip service, but has no heart. What kind of faith is that? It's dead. Uh, he, Jesus said to the Pharisees, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in what? Vain. Oh, vain man. Anyone can say, oh, Lord, Lord. Oh, if God wills, God wills, they can have the lingo. They can, uh, you know, simply parade themselves to look like they're religious people. They can even have the right doctrine and have the right theology. But the demonstration of our faith is how we obey God. If I am a true believer, then I will obey his word. That's what James is simply talking about. How do you become a friend of God? Verse 23, the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. And so that faith in Romans 4 tells us how it was demonstrated. He staggered not at the promise of God. He believed the promise. Get thee out. He went out. Why? But believing the promise. There was nothing in Abraham that was good. God was calling Abraham to do something that was beyond him. But he believed God. He obeyed God like it is for us if, if you would say look listen there's no there's no other way to get to heaven but through Jesus Christ Jesus is the fulfillment of Abraham's promise and there's nothing that you can do to be saved only but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with a repentant heart and you say yes I want to believe with on the Lord to save me I want to be the fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham I want to be part of the family or the household of God wonderful And then they that gladly received his word continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine in breaking of bread in fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer see they continued steadfastly what it was a demonstration that they had received the lord with gladness so when you continue in the things of god it reveals that you have faith in jesus christ what a what a terrible what a terrible disgrace it is for a people to say, Yeah, we believe in Jesus, but yet not follow him. Yeah, kind of like him. What, what kind of believer are you? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Oh, Lord, we're just going to follow you to the point of salvation, and that's it. Yeah. No. What kind of faith is that? To the point of salvation? You know, if that's the mentality of people, all they want is to escape the fires of hell and judgment, get to heaven, and that's it. They've got a ticket in their back pocket and live like the devil for the rest of the days of their life. What kind of faith is that, you tell me. That's a That's a disgrace. And anyone supporting that kind of faith, I would say to you, it's a double disgrace. You should know better. You should know the scriptures. We know and understand we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace and grace alone. But the grace of God that appears unto all men teaches us something. That we should be living soberly and righteously in this present world. And that we as believers deny all ungodliness and worldly lusts. We deny them. This is what the grace of God teaches us. It doesn't teach us to live in lasciviousness. Uh, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? This is the attitude that ought to be in every Christian's life. To be a friend of God is the greatest honor anyone can have. Abraham's obedience and commitment to God proved... That he truly believed God and thus God says, he's my friend. Let me close with this, John 15. Look at John 15. Look at verse 14. You can't get clearer than this. And by the way, we're in the book of John which most of Christendom today believe that the book of John is written to who? Christians, amen? The whole world of Christians. All right, taken. John 15:14. 14, yeah, my friends, when? If ye do whatsoever I command you. And you know what? To be a friend of God is, is, is the only way to be a friend of God is by faith. Abraham was the example of that Abraham had faith in God that caused him to obey God and he became a friend of God Jesus says it very clearly he if you want to be my friend do what I tell you to do and by the way only God can say that well Jesus is God in the flesh amen he's God in the flesh and verse 15, look at this, he says to his disciples Henceforth I call you not servants For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth But I've called you friends For all things that I have heard of my father I have made known unto you Now, what's the difference between a, difference between a servant and a friend? Well a servant uh, is, is told what to do you know, and, 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 and he goes, he, he uh, does this, and he commands him to do this, and he goes ahead and does that. And, you know, he's a servant. He goes and, and he, he does what his commanding officer tells him to do. And this is what we are, by the way. We're the servants of, of the Lord. However, God tells us that we can also intimately know him through our obedience to him. And so a servant doesn't really know the intimate things of god unless you are befriending him and jesus says i want you to be my friends and to be my friend is to do what i tell you to do and i what my father has revealed to me i'll reveal to you so god wants you to know his will for your life how do you know it how are your eyes open by having a heart to do what the lord jesus christ tells you to do how do we know that well you read your bible Read the New Testament, read the epistles and see what God requires of you. And I want to be a friend. I want to know what my God says. I want to be a friend to my God. I want to honor him and love him. And I want to be intimately close to him. I think anything else is a shallow faith. Because our faith in Christ should lead us to be intimately close to God as a friend. Look at verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you what, what, for what purpose? That you should bear no fruit. Oh, does it say that? No. That you should very clearly go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye ask of the Father in my name He may give it to you think one of the greatest aspects of the christian faith is to know that when i'm walking with god through jesus christ and i pray my my god hears my prayers you know there are some things that will happen with and without us and it's history recorded that what god says will happen will happen But I honestly believe that our free will as Christians can make history. You say how? Through our prayers. In other words, God wants to bless you, but you would not be blessed according to his will, and having God's will fulfilled in your life, being used of God, if you don't come and do the very things that he wants you to do, and pray and walk with God. You know what uh, James says to his hearers, ye have not because you what? Ask not. The reason why you don't have the will of God fulfilled in your life is because you do not ask for it. As a matter of fact, the only thing that you ask is vain, temporal things to consume it upon your own lust. That's the only... That, and that's your... Listen, modern-day Christianity. Hardly Christians wanting to know the will of God and fulfilling it. I think the best thing on this side of heaven is to know the will of God and fulfilling it and thus becoming a friend of God and making history and God's plan and purposes from the foundation of the world. What a glorious and wonderful thing that God will be mindful of me to include me in his plan and purposes, not only in this time, but in his kingdom to come. That God's going to give responsibilities to faithful people like Abraham when that kingdom comes. I can't wait I'm not doing it for that I just want to do it to hear those words well done my good and what that's all I want to hear I want to make sure that when I hit the end of the road that I made my father proud that I pleased my Lord that he was pleased with me and I was a good soldier that wasn't entangled with the affairs of this life it's a battle Christian you know it is every day we are bombarded with the things of this world and with the flesh and the temptation that Satan puts before us. But the only way that we will continue to have victory upon victories is by we live by faith in the Word of God. It's the only way. And that's what Abraham did. He believed God. And to believe God means that he was committed to the Word of God. Abraham obeyed, Abraham departed, and Abraham was blessed. Amen? Let's pray.